Coming up on this episode of Don't Panic, we talk a lot of technology, including the end of clip art, why EU is so mad at Google, GoPro goes drones. We also talk about T-Mobile, Google, Amazon, Sony, and a whole lot more. It's a technology-filled technology episode, and it's coming up right now. Play music. And cue graphic. Don't panic. This is episode number 72, recorded December 1st, 2014. On clip art, Go Drones and Google versus Europe. And we will lovingly fade out the music as I introduce myself. I'm Sean Jennings, and you're listening to Don't Panic, the technology podcast that develops best-of-breed, next-generation, value-added touchpoints that enables seamless hyperlocal mindshare of client-centric next-generation cloud computing for business-to-business logistics analytics. And if you understood that, you know about as much as we do. Uh, I've introduced myself, so let me introduce our top two guys, our global innovation leader and chief imagineering officer, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Dan Miller and Colby Rabideau. Guys, how are we doing this time? Pretty good. I'm doing much guess. better than I was last time. Yeah, you feeling yeah. a little more energized? A little... Yeah, yeah. Me too. Psyched. <laughs> yeah, what people Colby, don't know are you is... at a standing desk? Yeah, I'm standing nice. at a standing desk. Soon I'll have a chair to sit at, but... Oh. So it's not by choice? Well, I don't... I. <laughs> I I feel like this is too much multitasking. Like, I can stand and like type at the same time, but I can't stand and and talk and also computer at the same time. It's too hard. <laughs> so, so if you just fall over randomly in the middle of the show, we'll know why. <laughs> yeah, I just got too tired. You look much more authoritative standing, though. I will say. Yeah, I'm also like I'm kind of looking down at the at the at the camera, whereas normally I'm like looking yeah. up at the camera. Yeah, like so, me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, I'm the boss today. That's that's what this story is. <laughs> Bam! Like Bruce Springsteen himself, Colby Rabideau is in charge, um, and so are we when it comes to technology. I'll let all of you know quickly. Don'tPanic.io is our website. We do this Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. On that website, you'll also get all our past audio and video episodes, uh, as well as links to our Facebook, Twitter, Stitcher, iTunes, YouTube, um, RSS, all the good stuff uh, right there. Uh, and I'll also remind everyone out there, we're giving away sticker packs. That's right. You can get free stickers. Um, God, that doesn't sound as fun as it does in my head. But I promise you, they're fun. They're stickers, and they adhe- you know adhesive to things. Um you just get that by tweeting uh, any message about the show. Just make sure you include at Don't Panic Show and the URL don'tpanic.io in your tweets. I will get your address and send you some stickers. Woo. Okay, enough of that. Let's move on to some news. Uh, guys, any story you would like to talk about first? Um. We do this every week. Sorry. See this this is this is why I was typing and standing and I couldn't talk. Too many things. I can only do two things. T Mobile Music Freedom, because I actually I thought about you folks while I was thinking about this earlier this week. Very good. Well, uh as we have a T Mobile. And I I have things to say. Or I have a question to ask. So perfect. Well, let's sum up the story here. We've talked about it on the show before. T-Mobile's Music Freedom program, which allows um, streaming music providers to stream music to your phone without counting against your data cap. Uh, Previous companies that had access included... 
many, but they've recently added more. Uh, and that includes Google Play Music, Xbox Music, SoundCloud, and 11 other music apps. Um, bringing the grand total to a lot. Dan Miller, <laughs> you, uh, you say you have things to say about this. Yeah, uh, so we've talked a lot about net neutrality. Do you do either of you think that that this is T-Mobile tr- kind of trying, kind of being the bad, the bad company here? Because if from a purist perspective, this is a, a violation of net neutrality. If I, if Colby and I wanted to start our own music streaming service, we w- we would be at a disadvantage because T-Mobile customers would be disincentivized from using our service. I think I think for me the issue comes in is in Dan's streaming music service name to be determined. Um, if you went to T-Mobile and said I want to be part of your music freedom and they said no, then I would be concerned. And nobody has come forth and said they refuse to work with us. As long as they're all inclusive, I think that's absolutely fair. Because all they're really doing is providing a service and they're not discriminating, which is kind of the point of net neutrality. So that's that's my question: is when will they say no? Yeah. Yeah. I have like I have mixed feelings because it seems harmless. Like it doesn't I don't know. It seems like sort of the opposite not or this doesn't quite seem like the thing that we need to be afraid of, but it also feels like it could be you know, a toe in the door type deal. Like it starts here. A slippery slope, rather. That's what I was thinking of. Like, if it starts with this, like, maybe, like, what if this is used as justification for other nastier crap? Um, but I don't know. I, I have trouble saying this is outright bad because it, again, like Sean said, as far as we can tell, they're not, like, excluding anyone. Um Sure. I mean, maybe they are, but no one seems upset about it. Well, but if you think that we went up to them and with a customer base of 50 and like, we want to be in the the T-Mobile music program, please, you know, configure your edge routers and all this stuff. And here's our IP addresses. Like, would they yeah. really be so open to uh, following through with that? That's true. Maybe you're right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's a fair point. That's a fair point. All right. I concede. This is bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I, you say it's bad, but I really like it. My, right. my five, I don't even think it's five gigabytes. My four, three gigabyte a month T Mobile plan, uh, I can do so much with that because so much of my data in the past, mobile has been streaming Spotify, uh, and now it's not. So I, I am also conflicted. I like that it saves me so much money because uh, I don't have to get unlimited. But uh, like objectively and philosophically, I, I do disagree. Also, yeah, I actually don't know have how the to unlimited feel. plan, so it has very little effect on my life at this point. Ah. Though I may reevaluate because one of the reasons I had the unlimited plan is it comes with like tethering, which I used to use all the time when I was commuting. Um, also, and now I can tether just fine on non unlimited. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think you can. But like I used it a lot. Like I used it two hours a day every single day. 
Um, so it was like I was using four and a half gigs like or five gigs a month. Like I was using enough data to to like justify having it. Like one month I streamed ne- several Netflix shows and I hit like seven gigs or something crazy. <laughs> um but yeah, I don't know. I mean it's it seems cool. I think so I will I will take Here's my thing. I don't think this is a sustainable thing that T-Mobile will be able to do forever if they're successful, like, in getting a shit ton of people to join their network. Um, because at some point, it will it will probably become expensive. Unless it's the case that data doesn't actually cost the carriers anything, and then they're just, like, you know, screwing us over. Which could, that, that could be, I don't know. Um, what do you mean it doesn't cost them anything? I don't know. Like maybe it's really cheap for them and they they're just I'm sure there there's probably a way to know this. Um Oh, I'm yeah, I'm sure the cost of them is I guess my my, my point is that like maybe they're not really lo- T-Mobile is not really losing anything in this in except like the, the I mean, obviously they're losing something, but maybe they're not. Well, and the other uh, yeah, the other thing we don't know is they've never explicitly said they're not being paid. You know, like the music services aren't paying T-Mobile. Now it doesn't mean uh, they are, but they never explicitly right. said we are not getting paid for this. I see. Now again, if they're charging everyone the same fee, it's fair-ish because you're right. <laughs> it, it 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 allows fair play among all the big competitors, right? But not the small people who can't afford it. Um, I mean, if they're charging, I'm I'm way more strongly opposed to this than if they're not Agreed. charging. Like, if they're not charging, it's just like, I feel like it's just a marketing thing. If they are, then it's questionable. I'm going to be, I'm going to be contrarian and say this does not bother me. And I do not feel bad about this. And and I'm I'm all for net neutrality. I'm all for fairness. I I'm trying to think of how I want to phrase this without sounding wrong. Um, I think in the in the long run, this will benefit consumers more than it will hurt net neutrality. And I think I'm okay with that. I think this is a again for me, net neutrality is a case by case basis kind of thing, and it's tough to have a blanket statement that applies to everything. And I go by the Colby Rabideau feels like scale. And this doesn't feel <laughs> that bad to me. It doesn't. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. It just doesn't feel that bad. It no. really does feel like I mean I mean I agree it doesn't feel that bad, but that's it doesn't feel bad because like they're not making like the businesses are not paying them for this privilege. They're doing this out of like they're doing this purely to for the like, customer. Right. To generate value um, for their customers, which feels good, you know. I think. Right, which is right. I'm all about that. Like generating value for for the customers is good. Whereas, like the other side of the coin is really not generating value for a cus- the customer. It's it's quite the opposite. In fact, it's like arguably degrading their mm-hmm. experience. So, um, well, and I I will say to to benefit the streaming music providers, T-Mobile has said since unveiling this program initially in June, uh, streaming music is up 300% on a daily basis, and collectively users are listening to 66 million songs per day. That's roughly 200 terabytes of data. That's that's pretty impressive. That's a lot of data going over the, over the airs. Um, 
even if, so even if T-Mobile was charging uh if T-Mobile was charging how bad would that be uh these music providers because uh in a lot of ways I could see and I've heard this argument recently that that's actually better because uh it's the companies that are producing this content that people are uh consuming so if the companies are the ones that are charged by how much they uh by the rate at which they send it if if you are charging per megabyte for how much data you send to customers uh then you are incentivized to make that more efficient whereas if the customers are paying for it you don't really care how inefficient it is uh, and so the same argument is people use for Netflix. If uh, you aren't going to get an amazing internet connection in the United States that can stream 4K Netflix, but if Netflix wants to pay for you to have that for Netflix by partnering with these ISPs and putting their appliances and running the cables, uh, why shouldn't Netflix be able to do that? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a not a terrible point so (laughs) thanks i'm not sure i i'm having trouble reconciling like in my brain for some reason i'm not sure if it's a good reason and i'm not sure what the reason is yet but it seems to me like the throttling sort of thing like speeds feels different than data caps and I'm not sure why, like. Speeds feels different than data cap. So you're okay with right, data so, cap, not okay with speed. Well, I mean, I don't want data caps, but like, it seems like, like having. So here's the thing, like on your cell phone plan, you explicitly paid for a certain amount of data. Right, you paid for two gigabytes or something, and you can use that two gigabytes, and you can use it on whatever. And this is just a like thing that's like, oh, in addition to this two gigabytes, you also get this other thing that you can use this data for, right? Whereas the the like Comcast Netflix stuff, for example, that was I'm paying for you know twenty five megabits down or whatever. And I get 25 megabits down unless I'm watching Netflix. Like, you're not getting the thing that you pay for. You're, like, getting screwed, right? It feels like that feels way more dishonest, like. Uh, so in your scenario, you wouldn't, you would get more than 25 megabits per second when you use Netflix or less? No, you would get what you're, you were paying for. So you're paying for 25 megabits per second, but you only get that when you use Netflix. Is that what you're saying? I don't understand. I'm sorry. So so from what I understand, like, like if I'm paying to get a certain speed, right, from, from Comcast, but I may or may not be actually getting that speed, right? But that happens all the time. Well, yeah, it does happen all the time, but it's it's stupid that's dumb (laughs) yeah i think it's it's about being upfront 
with and honest with customers. I think if T-Mobile came out and it, it leaked out one day that T-Mobile was giving priority access to music streaming providers who paid them, I think we'd all be like, whoa, whoa, this seems really unfair and dishonest. But I think when T-Mobile comes out at a big press conference that says, we love our customers so much, we're going to not count music towards their cap. I think that's really smart. And this brings me back to around CES this past year. We had talked about a story on this show where AT&T said hinted they didn't even say they were doing it they said they were considering doing sponsored data where a company could pay for the data their app uses and if i remember correctly at the time we all kind of generally agreed that that sounds like a bad idea and sounds really unfair to a lot of companies but i think as it was at&t we had a bit of a different perception than a company mm-hmm. like T-Mobile, who is like, oh, they're the company who does the crazy things because they're the underdog, and we believe in them being good for the consumer, and at and is the evil company, yeah. and, and that's true, but I think, <laughs> I, I don't know. I just that, think it's perception. Right, and that's that's also kind of what I was thinking at the beginning when I said this is, it feels like a slippery slope, like, this doesn't feel that bad, and part of that is because I don't hate T-Mobile with with all my heart. Like I I dislike AT and T because T-Mobile hasn't done anything terrible to me. But like, there's no reason to say that you know 20 years from now when when T-Mobile is taken over the world because they were so great in the in the 2010s um, that they won't be uh, you know a, a bunch of jerks like like. The current, you know, leaders can be, and that AT and T won't be doing something cool. But like this could totally, I feel like this sort of thing could totally backslide. Like it could backslide into something like, I don't know, where they charge people or they lock certain providers out because, like, because they don't, or I'm sorry, because they don't like, you know, pay T Mobile a bunch of money under the table or something so or not under the table just in general yeah and and i think an important asterisk to kind of close out this conversation is that we should be very thankful there is competition in wireless because if you don't like what t-mobile is doing you have other options your broadband on the other hand most americans don't have another option and i think that really sucks because Companies can throttle and get paid by Netflix for faster access, and you don't have a choice to go anywhere else whether you like it or not, at least in wireless today, you know, unless they start buying up each other. Um, we, we have that option. Yeah, I, I think that's I'm a, not that's convinced that, that broadband will be a thing, certainly not 20 years from now, oh, maybe even not wireless? 10 years from now. I think, yeah, yeah. I think that's... that's Because the other, and the the other thing I was going to point out earlier is... Normal people don't think about 25 megabits per second. They think, is my Netflix good? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And if they can go somewhere where their Netflix is good because Netflix is paying the ISP to deliver 4K in a reasonable fashion to your home, uh, they don't care how it happens. Uh, but I think that's relevant. And I think 10 years from now, I bet, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe we can even do 4K over wireless 10 years from now. Yeah. I mean, I would hope it's a thing in the, in the nearest future that we don't have we aren't tied to cables anymore because like this stuff can't really be democratized in the way that ideally uh, uh, a business like this would be in this country. 
um, until that's that's the case because the way the, I mean the way that the that the cable provider stuff is set up basically prohibits it. Like it it will never happen. So the only <laughs> the only way to fix that is to just have something else. Outstanding. What a what a great conversation. That was that was excellent. I Thank picked you. a good one. You, what you can did. I say? You did. You really did. <laughs> uh where would you guys like to go next? Any particular uh, Clippy? Clippy. Clip we art. Got, Sorry. We gotta talk about clip art. This this was probably the saddest story of the day for me anyway. Yeah. Can we have a moment of silence? I, I think we should. I did like every single project I did in from like third grade to probably high school i use clip art from microsoft office for um so and the the most amazing thing about clip art to me is that the images in clip art especially when it first came out because it wasn't connected to the internet so they were the same images for everybody there are some images i still see them today and i immediately go (laughs) that's clip art from word i use that you know the little guy or the you know like they're just certain images that are iconic because they were clip art for everybody. Yeah, and I feel like they also had the same. They clip art had like a certain sort of style. Like they were all kind of like that, and they were, <laughs> made them really recognizable. It was, it was awesome. Fun. So, just quickly, the story here being is that uh, if you've used Office before, you probably have used clip art. Well, clip art. Uh, and the image library has closed shop now with Office 2013. Uh, users have to use, uh, if you want to insert images from within Word, you now use Bing Image Search um, with Microsoft filtering images to ensure their Creative Commons licensing. Um, now, I'd be curious, I bet some of those uh, images may still be on Bing Search, so you may be able to use them, but you don't get the default library um, that you once had with Word. So, a sad day indeed. I like their new approach, though, sort of doing a a Flickr-style Bing image search Mm -hmm. for Creative Commons license images. That's really cool. Yeah, Office 2013 is is the best Office ever. It's it's really, really good. I know you guys use Macs, and it's not as good, but... Oh, yeah, that's true. I I am a huge Office 2013 fan. Is it? It's, it's not better than Office two thousand three, Sean. It, it close, close. <laughs> it's the biggest thing since the ribbon, Dan. Um, ah, yes. Yeah. Is that two thousand seven? Yeah, that was oh seven. Brought the ribbon in. Um, yeah, and you guys will be getting new Office uh, next year. So. Yeah, I heard about that. That'll be. It looks really nice. So. Microsoft's big multi-platform push. Um, let's talk another story. Um, and it would be GoPro. Let's talk about this one. Uh, you may be familiar. I almost, I, the only thing I, well, I did buy one thing over the weekend online, but the one thing I thought about buying that I didn't buy was a drone, which would have been amazing. And it was not a cheap, it was a thousand dollar plus drone, but oh, whoa, it's a serious <laughs> That's drone. awesome. That's like, that's a cinema quality. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, awesome. I was like, oh my gosh, imagine all the cool things I could do with this. I They're probably so not jealous. legal to fly around in New York well, City. I was going to say, I don't even know where you would fly one. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta move out to the country. 
<laughs> so you can play with your drone. Uh, yeah. yeah, drones were actually, there were a lot on uh, Black Friday. I was surprised that drones, yeah. they look like they're going to be a hot item for Christmas. Um, certainly on the more kind of fun, casual toys for your kids and young adults type toy, but GoPro is talking uh, reportedly about launching their own brand of consumer drones next year, believably on the higher end of that scale, between 500 and $1,000. GoPro, known for their tiny action cameras that have really taken a reputation in both the sports and entertainment industries, um, look to potentially launch their own drones late next year. They would be multi-roto helicopters with uh, these high-definition GoPro cameras similar to the GoPro Hero series. Crazy! I want one. Yeah, I think it's awesome. the The, the problem yeah, think... is, it's yeah. Go ahead. GoPro could make a really good drone. I would. I would be confident in that. Yeah, because I feel like that's what you want a drone for, so you can fly it around and take pictures through people's windows. Yeah, I feel like your <laughs> average person shouldn't have a drone. We shouldn't have drones. <laughs> we we. Come on, Sean. I include myself. Soon something you, bad will you, happen. You but shouldn't until have then, a drone, Sean. No, I should not. I would break so I would break the drone, most of my neighbor's windows, several of my own fingers. It would be a disaster. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I do think drones are, are really awesome. The question is, uh, how long are you going to be able to fly them around before the FAA gets on your case? Yeah. Well, the sooner they get on our case, the sooner we get Amazon drone deliveries. Yep. That is true. That's so, eh, a trade-off. I mm. could uh, I could do with not having a drone if <laughs> drones deliver the uh, the shoe heel things I need. Yeah. Right now. Yeah, it's good to see GoPro flush with uh, that IPO cash, spending it well, making awesome stuff. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And the stock's doing really well, so good for them. Moving uh, on. Can we talk, since we just talked about... Uh, Black Friday, and I suspect we'll talk more about it next week. But the uh, the Washington Redskins quotes <laughs> and their uh, their one eight hundred number only. It wasn't even a one eight hundred number, actually. Now that I look at it, their Cyber Monday sale you had to you could only get it by calling a number and speaking to a human to get the season tickets or whatever. It's like trying to unsubscribe from the New York Times. <laughs> <laughs> Have you yet unsubscribed from the New York Times, Coley? No. <laughs> I unsubscribe from some other things, though. Like, well, like, you know, remember that like self-hosted Git thing I had? I I was trying to update it yesterday, and I totally hosed it. So <laughs> I I just deleted it, and and I. And then deleting it meant I could stop playing, paying for Cloudflare for SSL. So I just stopped paying for that too. So I'm saving like thirty bucks a month now. Oh, so nice. I, I guess I can I can keep paying for the New York Times a little bit longer. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder what things I had in there. Was is the Don't Panic website was that in there or is that Maybe. on GitHub? It might be. <laughs> hmm. Do we? It might be website? on both. I forgot about that. <laughs> That's always my problem I mean, when I turn something off on my <laughs> server. We still have the repository on um on the like on the server. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so it's fine. Don't should... worry, Sean. Everything's fine. <laughs> All right. Nothing's broken. Is the website still there? Good. I thought it was funny. I mean, quickly on Black Friday, you know, Best Buy's website went down for a couple hours on Black Friday. <laughs> I mean, it, it was down, like, completely. And I'm like, really, Best yeah. Buy, on the most important shopping day of the year, you're going to let your that's website... That's when it happens, though. If there are problems, that's when it's going to come out. Well, someone's going to get in a lot of trouble for that, so... Bummer for that guy. Um, yep. Alrighty. Let's continue on. And talk about... Um, Google? What'd you say? I said Google? Question mark? Sure, which Google story? Oh, we uh, well, I guess we can do... There's three? Yeah. I see two... Oh, I see three. Not Google Glass. All right, I agree. Um, what? What? Glass. Just, just very quickly. I mean, I mean, Google so, Glass is dead, right? It's dead. We're, it's done. We're not doing Google Glass anymore, right? I don't know. Sure doesn't seem like it. No, it doesn't. Um, I don't know. I don't know if if Google ever really expected it to be a thing. I think it was kind of a crazy experiment. I hope so, because that makes it okay. But it's like, for me, it's like the segue, right? Where it's like, this is going to change everything. And then what a joke, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if if Google touted how it would change everything. Like, well, I don't think... Everyone else did was the right, problem. Right, right. Right. And I don't think it would have in its current form. I don't think it could in its current form. I agree. I think the, that sort of thing has potential, but I don't think in the in as what it is now. Now, what do we it. think about the people who are still wandering around with a Google Glass on every day? Because they're still out there. I see them. I mean, to me, Fuller probably doesn't see them anymore. Have you seen anyone wearing Google Glass in Boston? No, but I don't walk around in Cambridge as that much, so. I'm sure they're there. They're definitely there. <laughs> Maybe not not as many as I saw in San Francisco, but sure. they definitely exist. I don't know. That's that's my thoughts. No, but, I, yeah. I will always point and laugh at the guy with Google Glass. I'm sorry. It's not it's not very nice, but I just I don't know. There's just something about it. I think they'll they'll probably continue pushing it as sort of like a where can this sort of thing go? Not not I mean pushing it to consumers. I mean push it like researching the yeah. technology. And and that's awesome. I am absolutely for that, and I think they should because I think it's really cool. But I I don't think it would be fair to say Google never expected it to become a consumer success. I think they would have been very happy to see it be a consumer success. Yeah, but, yeah you know, of course. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, but let's talk. You want to talk about Google Colby? We can talk about Google. You want to talk about the Google in EU? Yes. Oh, yeah. That's another big one. That's another. Uh, on the same lines of net neutrality, we'll talk about yeah, the European yeah. Union. Uh, the organizational body that acts where the U.S. Congress cannot. The European Parliament uh, voted this week for a non-discriminatory... Uh, no, that's not the right quote. Uh, v- for a... How, what did they call the vote? 
non-binding resolution. Thank you. See, someone's <laughs> paying it. Someone pay attention in politics class. Um, they approved a non-binding resolution calling for the unbundling of search engines from other commercial services in order to ensure competitive conditions within the digital market. Uh, the idea here being is that Google can't fairly give search results when they're plugging ads into them because Google owns both the search engines and the ad server. The idea being that it wouldn't be fair and that search should just be search. No more, no less. Now, this doesn't actually make a law. That's the non-binding part of the resolution. Um, But the language is strong in this, describing search engines as gatekeepers that are of particular importance, similar to an ISP, um, and urging the uh, broader European Commission and the EU member states to enforce uh, competition rules against Google decisively. So... I feel the sentiment, but, like, how do you do that? <laughs> like, the only uh, reason Google functions is because they sell their ads. <laughs> like, the only reason Google search is so good is because they have that revenue. Yeah. Uh, I don't disagree. I think something to point out, though, is in the U.S., Google has around 70 75% search market share. And in the EU, it's 95%. So they're coming at it from a totally different perspective than we are sitting here talking about it. Interesting. I I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, me either. I would have thought the opposite. Yeah, yeah, me too. That's interesting. Where do do you have like a thing showing those? I don't. I'll try to find it. You should keep talking about why, (laughs) why you feel like you know where they're coming from. I mean, I see, like, I feel like it's like a vertical integration thing. Like, you just, like, Google is obviously not showing you the best search results for you because they're showing you the best search results for them. Um, which, like, some of those may be what you want, but, like, many of them are things that they're showing you because they got paid to show them to you, which... I mean, I feel like this is very much a, a sort of net, net neutrality argument. It's like, a, I don't know, it's the same sort of problem. Like, how can they be trusted to do this? Like, is this thing, is, is like search, like unbiased search something that we should have a right to? Like as consumers, as like people on the internet. I don't think that's what they're saying. I think they're saying more like uh, Google shouldn't be in the position like it is in with YouTube where uh, it is showing search results for content and also owning the content uh, or like it is with like the air, the flights. If you're searching for a flight, Google owns that flight service that has like an acronym name. Uh and they show it to you, and in both cases, it can be argued that those are better search results than a, like uh, a sort of socialistic flattened. Like, here's one search result from Vimeo, and one from YouTube, and one from that other music site or video site. Uh, but it's it's easy to see where this could go really bad. Uh, but. I don't think it has gone really bad. And I think that's, at least in the U.S., that's where you become a monopoly. If you're 
if you actually are a monopoly, it doesn't matter. Unless you're abusing your monopoly to, like, force people out or uh, put other companies out of business. Like, so when Microsoft put uh, Netscape out of business just by virtue of the fact that it could pre-install a browser on the most popular operating system in the world, that was anti-competitive through their monopoly. But just having a monopoly isn't bad at all. But I don't know what the laws are in the EU at all. Yeah, as far as I can tell, that it's incredibly difficult to break up a company by law, um, especially in Europe. What they can do is sponsor and pass legislation that places limits, fines, things of those natures. I think what's interesting here is what the one of the sponsors of the motion said, which was with companies that sell, you know, car parts or, or even ISPs, they can track where the traffic goes and they can see if the traffic is being biased or not, if it's being delivered fairly or they, they can track that. What the EU uh, parliament is having trouble with is they don't understand the algorithm and Google won't tell them how the algorithm works. And that's one of the things that A, Google doesn't want to tell anybody because it's how they make their money, but also B, they can't prove if Google is being fair or not, because Google can't tell them and they can't understand it. Now, is that ignorance? Is that just the nature of a complicated system? It's hard to say, but I think that's one of the big things the EU's running up against is if Google could prove that it wasn't being biased, I think it would go a long way, but Google can't really prove it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I feel like... I feel like this is something that a third party could investigate in a or approximate through some sort of like survey type thing like do a bunch of like you know like searches for different things against you know from different places or whatever this seems like something that you you could kind of figure out or get a sense for. Um, but I, I see your point, yeah. And I see that's kind of a weird spot for Google. I feel like, <laughs> I doubt they have any reason to, like, I can't see them want, talking about how that works publicly. Oh. Like, unless they, I don't know, I can't, I, I, I I just don't know, like, what could the EU do to them that, Nothing. I mean, the, ban them from Europe? Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there, there's really, the current law, I mean, they'd have to pass new laws. The current laws don't really do much to stop them, and Google has so much money anyway, they'll fight it in the courts for years. I mean, it's, I, I think yeah. I think the EU's in a really tough spot. I think this vote, you know, this non-binding resolution was purely symbolic. Um, you know, will it lead to the breakup of Google? I doubt it. Then again, they they weren't sure that would happen to Microsoft either. But, um, you know, I think I think what Google's next step they should be scared of is either a some kind of federal government type lawsuit, either from this country or the EU, uh, because yeah. that's what got Microsoft in more heat was not losing the antitrust case. It was the things they said during the discovery process. It was all the kind of information that got taken out during the discovery process that hurt them really mm -hmm. badly. Um, and I think Google is and should be afraid of that. Um, 
or they end up passing a law, which which seems less likely, but we'll we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Uh, so throughout Europe, search engine market share is dominated by, by Google with between 90 and 96 percent market share, depending on the country. Uh, the only slight exception is Russia, which Google has a, a majority share of 84 percent, which is still higher than the U.S. I was surprised by that. Uh, and the second most uh, used search engine in Europe. What is it? Um, the second most used search engine. In, it's probably Yahoo. Nope. It's Baidu, the Chinese search engine, ah, with a whopping 3%. That's interesting. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I should use that. Bing is coming in at 1.28%. Where does AltaVista come in on that? It's not on there. Ask Yandex Jeeves. is actually... Oh, Yandex is actually second. I bet that's the Russian one. Yeah, that would uh, make sense. Yeah, it is. Uh, and... Colby probably knows this, but Europe has more Facebook users than any other continent in the world, including North America. I believe that. Facebook members in Europe number 222 million people. Wow. And what country has in Europe has the most Facebook users? Um, what country in Europe has... This is, I'm, I'm taking over the quiz thing from Sean. Yeah, this is good. Um... My guess is it's going to be one of the former Soviet Union countries, and they're all fake <laughs> accounts used to steal your information. <laughs> You're close. I didn't actually realize this country was part of Europe. Oh. It's Turkey. Huh. I didn't answer because I was looking at the thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Second is the UK, which isn't a surprise. Right. Wow. Look at that. Learn new things every day. Um, all right. Let's, uh, we've got time for one more story. We can talk about Fire Phone getting slashed again, uh, Sony getting hacked, or Amazon connecting you with a local handyman. Hmm. Or Chrome's oh. dominance in schools. Oh, that's an interesting one. Okay, let's talk about that. Uh, for yeah. the first time ever this quarter... Uh, according to IDC, uh, Chromebooks outsold iPads in the education market. Uh, each had right around 700,000 uh, shipped, um, with the Chromebook having a, a you know, 10, 20,000 uh, edge. Um, and Chromebooks now account for a quarter of the educational market in the third quarter of this year. IDC says schools tend to prefer Chromebooks for two reasons, lower costs and the fact that they have keyboards. Um, which, while you can get a keyboard for your iPad, it adds to the already higher cost. Uh, quote, uh, was it Rajani Singh, analyst with IDC, said, quote, Chromebooks are really gaining traction. The growth of Chromebook is a major concern for Apple's iPads. My question to you, gentlemen, do you think uh, Google gaining traction in the education space will pay dividends down the road with these young consumers? Uh, mm. I think... I think it definitely will help. I don't know how many dividends it will pay, uh, but I think this is going to be really good for them. And I'm really surprised that this is the case. I I would have thought that Apple, through its uh, historical good relations with the education market and their marketing team, would have locked up all these school contracts a long time ago, even though uh, a Chromebook is cheaper and in some ways better than an iPad for just giving a student in like even through high school uh if it's a case of someone not having a portable computer 
you I would rather have a Chromebook than an iPad for actually getting work done. Uh, so I was surprised that that they're doing as well as they are, but I'm I'm glad they're doing that well. I think a Chromebook is a great option. Someone over the weekend was asking me what laptop should I get for a middle schooler for under three hundred dollars? And they're like, it has to run Windows. And I was like, (laughs) nope. Either you're getting a tablet at that price point or you're getting a Chromebook. You're not getting a Windows or Mac laptop. Uh, Because it'll be... A tablet or a Chromebook would be so much more bang for the buck. Chrome will run faster on a Chromebook. The battery will last longer. Mm -hmm. It'll be a much better experience. Uh, So I hope they do really well. Yeah, I think it's cool. I mean, I think it's... uh... At the very least, you get, like, guaranteed, like, new generations of Google account holders, um, sure. which is which is a big deal for Google. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, I like the idea of Chromebooks. I always have. I like the web. Go internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, uh, I think what's interesting about this is back in my high school days five six seven years ago um i was the student representative on our uh on the board that did grant allocations and some light budgeting um and i'd consider our school district average we didn't have a lot of money but we didn't have no money and cost was everything cost was everything it did not matter how good the service was or how good the computers were it didn't even matter how long they lasted it was all about the cost and i think that's what's really, really playing well um, for schools. As far as I do want to say, and I'm, I'm curious, Intel is coming out with better low-power, low-cost chips. I know the H, was it the HP Stream 11, which is a $200 Windows machine put out by HP, has gotten really great reviews. And that has just come out, um, and they're doing a 13-inch version of it as well, um, designed to directly compete with the Chromebook. I think Windows has a lot of room in that lower market if they can get computers at that price that don't suck. Is that Windows RT? Um, no, it's full Windows. It's full Windows. It's it's an Intel Atom chip, but I guess that in whatever – I'm not a chip expert, but in this new round of chips, they've managed to get it so they're cheap and not terrible. Um, I mean, it's certainly not a powerhouse, but neither is a Chromebook. Right. So I think I think Windows has I think Apple I don't think Apple has any future in the educational market if they can't get costs down. I mean, in specialty schools, in design areas, in you know I see that, but in your average middle school, what what school district would buy a five hundred dollar iPad for a student? Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure like when it comes down to it, like when schools are buying iPads in bulk, they're probably not paying retail, right? So. I think that's certainly the case. Oh, and there's also that, the edu- beyond bulk. There's also the educational discount. Right. Yeah. So, um, but even with that, I'm sure that is more expensive than this. And like, I think the fact of the matter is that like once kids start getting into middle school and high school, they're doing they're starting to do like real work, like like work, like like you know, things you need a word processor for and things you need a keyboard. I guess you don't need a keyboard for it, but like you need a keyboard for it. So um, (laughs) it's, it's that, that sort of like 
practically that's a thing that needs that they need and i think like i don't know like you said i think in sort of more specialty areas like art or music sort of things like maybe the ipad makes more sense because it has a lot of cool like applications for that sort of thing and that sort of interaction lends itself much better to creating like art than it does to writing a paper um but i don't see i don't know i think i just don't really see it i'm not totally shocked by this now now let me ask you guys i know you're both big mac users did you use macs in school or did you use windows machines or any computers at all. Um, my so we didn't. I'm pretty sure my school definitely had like PCs in like the library or whatever. My school was not big on computer stuff. Um, I don't know. It was all about that college prep and like reading books and <laughs> books, <shit>. like liberal <laughs> arts college prep, not like engineering college prep. Um. I all but of our I, I personally I had a MacBook that was my computer that I used mm-hmm. for school in high school starting in like 10th grade but the school itself was not. I also I went to a private school for high school and they did not have like that sort of money. Mm-hmm. So that Yeah, I don't ever remember having a Mac maybe in first grade or second grade there was that one Mac computer in the back, but as far as I can remember, actually using computers in school is always Windows. I will say, if I'm recalling correctly, my like, so the middle school I went to in my the town where I grew up in, which was like the a public like the the town's middle school, definitely had a Mac lab, and it was like the the colored iMacs with the the hockey puck mice. Mm-hmm. That was definitely a thing. And I don't think I ever got, I don't think I ever had a class in there, but I remember it existing. You know, what's funny is my senior year in high school, 2009, I was still using a color bulbous iMac with the puck mouse to do our school newspaper because they did not want to buy us a new computer. And I was that thing we were using. It was Internet Explorer 5 for Mac on it. <laughs> it was garbage. It was Holy's worst nightmare. Oh, it, it was bad. It was really bad. They finally, when I left, they finally got new Macs. Thank goodness. But, uh, yeah, we. I, I actually, to be fair, I think I used a fair mix of both. Mostly Windows, but there were a few Macs here and there because I used to do newspapers and things like that, and we had Macs for those. Um, but yeah, nice. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's like I guess it's whatever computer you use the most, whether it's from your school or your own personal life. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm sure it also depends. Like, uh, I mean, this is talking about education as a rabbit hole, but like. <laughs> It, de- it very much depends on the school district like your your like random like very upper middle class like 
really fancy school district with a nice tax base is going to have some sweet iPads and all the cool stuff because they got a bunch of money to pay for it. Whereas like, you know, your Boston giant public school with a gajillion students that doesn't have any money and can barely pay its teachers is like not going to have that because they have no money. It's, it's like, you know, there, there's a, it's like the, I, I would imagine it's something like the, the consumer market for Apple devices. Like if you can afford it, like, and that's what you want, you do it. But there are lots of people who just can't afford that. And if they want something, they're going to go for something cheaper, like a Chromebook. So. Well, and Google is a services company, right? So if you if you never buy another Chromebook, it doesn't matter because you're still going to use Drive, you're still going to use Gmail, you're still they're still going to make money off you. That's the beauty of it. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Apple needs to keep yeah. you as a hardware customer. That is true, because their services are not great. No. <laughs> also, well, also because you can't use their services. Yeah. Exactly. But. Well, I think that concludes all the time we have for stories, and we are going to move on to our picks of the week, and we have got some excellent ones. I'm looking at the lineup. Uh, I'm going to volunteer to go first because I think I went last last week, so I will go first this week. Um, and I didn't have any technology picks, so I picked uh, two books about television. I know. <laughs> Stay with me. One of the oh. many weird areas of interest of mine... Um, where I just think is really interesting is the rise and fall of television networks. I just think it's really interesting how this idea of let's make a channel that just shows music videos. Well, how do you do that? Well, you know, the story of how it happens and how it evolves and changes. So I have two books I'm going to pick this week and I have two more books I'm going to pick next week all about television networks, you know, and love and their stories you never knew existed. So my first one is called ESPN. Those guys have all the fun, uh, it is available on Amazon. It is written by uh, an excellent author whose name I'm going to find here in a minute. Uh, James Andrew Miller and Tom Shales. James Andrew Miller also wrote a great book live from New York about the history of Saturday Night Live. But ESPN, those guys have all the fun, is a really great history of Bill Rasmussen and his son who started ESPN in lovely Bristol, Connecticut. Dan, I don't know if you ever slum around Bristol. Yeah, to go to uh, that theme park that's there. Lake Compounds. Absolutely. It, it began Always a good a, time. ESPN began as a, a mud pit with a satellite dish. It was actually funny, uh, a quick story from the book. But uh, ESPN, when they wanted to get their satellite dish um, access to the SATCOM 1, the, the, the one of the first television satellite dishes, they called the company and you paid by the hour. And they said, well, what if we just bought a 24-hour transponder? And the salesman said, well, why would you ever need that? Why would anything be on for 24 hours? That's crazy. And they said, well, how much is it? And he quoted them and they said, all right, we'll buy it. And for a long time, ESPN had the only 24-hour transmitter to SATCOM 1. Um, and there were several times where companies came in and wanted to buy it, and it was really their most valuable asset for the first five or ten years of the company. Wow. Um, you get nuggets of information like that in this book. Uh, those guys have all the fun. It's not just about sports. It's about a lot more than that. Uh, and some of the cr- controversies you may have heard of, and you get to hear interest. Anyway, available on uh, $7.99 on Kindle. I will say, uh, Amazon, I think it's still active. I don't know for how much longer, but Amazon is running 30% off every single book they sell. Wait, what? Cyber Monday. Yes. Yes, they are. Um, what? what is, how did I not know about this? What is the code? Oh, Sean. Let me... Uh, um, 
I have to hang on. I'm going to see if I can find. There is a uh, code you use at checkout. It is up to $10 off. Uh, take an extra holiday 30 at checkout under promotional codes, and you will receive uh, up to 30% off as long as it stays under $10. It ex- and does this work for Kindle books as well? It is not. It is only print books. So it excludes Kindle ebooks and Audible books, and it is valid through... Uh, December 1st at midnight. So uh, if you're watching live, you can go do it. Anyone watching the recorded version, forget about it. Oops. <laughs> I got your excitement up. I'm sorry. But oh, man. if you're watching live, you can go pick it up. So that's all. Those guys have all the fun. Uh, my second book is about MTV. Um, again, another network who said, you know, why'd you watch sports for 24 hours? Why would you watch music videos for 24 hours? Hell, they didn't even know what music videos were uh, back when they started the network. And this gives you an interesting, uh, look. I like this book because they don't just talk about the people who started the networks, but they talk about the musicians and, you know, how they tried to figure out what is a music video? What do you even do? Is it just us playing on stage? Do you, you know, do explosions and car chases? Do you, you know, what do you do? Um, including stories behind some of the great music videos of all time. It's a really interesting book. It's by Rob Tannenbaum and Craig Marks. It's called I Want My MTV, The Uncensored Story of the Music Video Revolution. It is also available on Kindle for $13. You can also get it in print as well. Uh, So those are my two picks. Next week, I'm going to give you two books about the history of Nickelodeon and Food Network. Uh, You're going to want to stay tuned for that. Um, And I recommend you go to our website, don'tpanic.io, because if you use our Amazon affiliate links, we get paid. Uh, So that would be appreciated. And I do want to point out, and by the way, guys, I didn't even know this. If you go to don'tpanic.io slash picks, it's a list of everything we've ever picked. Oh, yeah. You didn't know that? I didn't. Who possibly could have written that code that did that? (laughs) I don't know, but they're terrible. Uh, No, I did not even know that was a thing. And I was so happy to accidentally stumble on it the other day, but it's... And I'll put up on screen. Really slash uh, picks. Uh, I'm pretty sure only we can access that as don't panic admins. <gasps> no, are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> I can't it was unfinished. It. We could probably change that. Well, pretty easily. Well, could we? If we can ever recover that repository from our server before <laughs> it. All right. Never Maybe mind. Maybe it's time for don't panic i dot v two. Mm. Maybe we could do it. Oh yeah, look at this, Sean. Be careful because you can also delete any pics from here with one click. <laughs> well, I assume that was because yeah. we were signed in, but uh, okay, all right. Don't go there then. My bad. I take that back. Um, yeah, if you if you go there, it gives you a really sassy error message and brings <laughs> you back to the homepage. Sorry. Awesome. All right. Well, those are my two picks. Anyway, I've talked enough. Let's move on to uh, another man with two picks, Colby Rabidou. Indeed. Uh, what are you picking this week? Cool. So I have two picks this week. Um, I have like, I don't know what happened this week. I have like seven things that I want to eventually pick on the show. So um, I, I, I control myself and just went with two for now. Um, so the first one is a TV show, um, which is that ABC show agents of shield, which is, it's like a spinoff of the Avengers. So if you remember Agent Coulson from the Avengers who died, well, spoilers, he didn't actually die. And they, they resurrected him for this TV show. No one else was in the movies, but um, they they often reference the movies. And it like, you know, it's an ABC show, so the production value is not incredible. It's not going to like change your life. Wait, it's um, not going to change my life? Yes. 
It's not. I only watch TV shows that change my life. However, um, well, it's it's kind of fun and like like kitschy and like I watched a few episodes and I was like, this is whatever. But then I watched one more and like it ends up so so basically this it's about these like it's kind of like a cop show, right? But they're 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 part of this agency called Shield, which is kind of like the FBI, except for the whole world, and they track down like people with superpowers and stuff. Um, but interestingly enough, there's there's at least for the first half of the first season, every once in a while, there's this tension about like them being like basically the NSA and operating in secret and doing all this stuff. And like who the F knows if they're they're, they're actually serving the public good. Like they could be doing anything. Um, Like one of the characters like joined shield from like this, this like, like, I don't know. It's like anonymous. It's called like the rising tide and they're a group of hackers or some really dumb. There's, there's also some fun, cheesy, like computer hacking going on if you're into that sort of thing. Um, but it like, it kind of makes you think about this. The, it it kind of makes you think about that tension. Like, should we have like about this though, that, um, I don't know, like the NSA, like this almost all powerful, like black box of an agency that is doing God knows what in the name of like protecting the country. But while in this case, it's protecting the world because they just got attacked by aliens. Um, but yeah, it's kind of cool. So if you're bored, check it out. And again, it's not going to change your life. It's not like it's it's an ABC show. Um, so, so go, go into it with your expectations set properly, but it is enjoyable after you get through the first couple of episodes. Um, and my other pick is Far Cry 4, uh, which I probably paid, played for like 20 hours since last oh, week. Wow. Um, it's, it's really satisfying. It's like what I wanted, what I hoped it's like what I hoped destiny would be, I think. Um, it's like the story is like okay, but really you like drive around in in a, a wide range of vehicles and shoot people with a wide range of guns, and it's really fun. <laughs> um, and I'm still I'm still having a blast. And I, I've 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 car I've I've explored like a quarter of the map, so there's there's a lot going on, um, and it's just it's just fun, like good clean shooting people in the head with arrows, fun. <laughs> Yeah, good and clean. <laughs> um, and I still like someday. So you can do like co-op with your friends and do stuff. And eventually Dan will get past the point in the single player p- campaign where you can start doing co-op <laughs> and then we'll be able to play together. So we'll report yeah. back on how that is. Um, <laughs> but it is One fun. There, There's like, I don't know. It's just it's just fun. Like. I don't know. Like there are explosive arrows and when you shoot trucks with explosive arrows, they frequently like just flip over and stuff. It's <laughs> it's really satisfying. You can drive around and like hit people with cars and there's like there's a wingsuit so you can jump off cliffs and like w- it's just like anything there there are no annoying parts. Like if you want you can fast travel, but it's way more fun to drive the cars around. 
Um, (laughs) There's also like a mini one person helicopter. It's a blast. And I'm like a quarter into the game. Like as far as I know, there's more, there's more coming. So I don't know. It's, it's definitely worth, I, I haven't played. Well, I probably played this much destiny since destiny came out, but like other than that, I haven't gotten this much mileage about any of the games I bought for PS4. Mm -hmm. So highly recommended. Very cool. Far Cry 4. My recommendation is I want you two to play co-op and stream it on Twitch with commentary. And <laughs> I will gladly do that. totally do that. Yeah. I would be all that sounds I've great. never even pressed the share button on my PS4 controller, so me either. Now's the time. <laughs> what happens? I don't know. <laughs> we can we can get like we'll have like people call the SWAT team on us and get a get shot or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nothing bad ever happens when people yell over video games. Come on, you know that. Um, very cool. So, uh, great picks, Far Cry 4. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, excellent. Dan Miller. Ta- another mail app. Uh, well, it's the same mail app uh, that I picked before. So, Airmail came out with their Yosemite Yosemite update, and it's super pretty. But what this really froze into like stark relief for me was when i when i first got it i was like oh this is just kind of all right it's actually a little bit more difficult to see like i don't really like the design but that's because i use it on my non-retina monitor like i keep my home laptop hooked up to this thing and then over the weekend i spent a lot of time not at home using my home laptop uh with the retina screen on it and it looks so much better like you can really see the translucency when you have a, a retina screen versus the other one. And so the whole left pane is beautifully translucent. It's great. It also supports all the really cool uh, Yosemite male features like the uh, attachment dropping thing and all the different uh, sharing. You can share to air, air mail from the browser and all that stuff. It, it works pretty much exactly like the built-in mail app, which is something we've never seen before because uh, Apple finally opened up all those APIs. Uh, so Airmail 2 is out. You can get it at airmailapp.com. Can't hear you, Sean. Good. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Uh, excellent pick, Airmail 2. Uh, available now where finer Macs are. Um, excellent show, gentlemen. As always, a, an absolute pleasure and an honor. It's indeed. My honor. Indeed. <laughs> uh, very good. I'll remind all of you out there. We do this live Monday nights at 10 p.m. or 7 p.m. Pacific on our website, don'tpanic.io. Uh, we appreciate you watching live. We had a couple live viewers tonight. We thank uh, those of you who did tune in. Uh, it's always nice to have you along. Uh, you're welcome to tweet at us during the show. We do get it at Don't Panic Show. Um, let us know your feedback in real time, and we'll ignore it promptly. Um, as I said, don'tpanic.io is our website there. Old episodes, new episodes, all the episodes, audio, video, the whole shebang. Um, and it looks, I'll tell you, it looks great on that giant TV you punch someone over on Black Friday, so watch it in HD with the YouTube app. Um, it's very good. And, of course, uh, I thank uh, Dan Miller and Colby Rabidou for being here. Um, they are tech giants, um, and I stand meekly in their shadow. Uh Kobe's like this big Uh, very good well we'll be back next Monday night with an all new episode of Don't Panic but until then we wish you all a very fair evening and until then 
Uh, goodbye. This show is brewed fresh weekly by the Coffee and Beer Podcast Network. Get all our shows at our website, coffeeandbeer.tv.